What's up, Shoreline City? How y'all doing? Come on, before you sit it, before you see it, can we just give God some praise in this place right now? I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're dealing with. But I know that I have found in my life that praise precedes my victory. And if there are some things that you are waiting for God to do, come on online, come on North, come on Intriga. I believe that this praise that you're about to give, come on, it's going to let the enemy know that you mean business. So on the count of three, I want you to give God your best praise. Come on, one, two, three. Come on, let's give God some praise. That's what I'm talking about. Come on, that, that's a that, that's a jailbreaking praise. Come on, somebody. Well, I'm pumped, so fired up. I'm honored to be here. And uh, whether you're watching online, and no matter what campus you're at, and maybe if you even watch this broadcast later, I believe that God set you up today for a breakthrough. I believe if you're in the room, that the only way that you leave come on, still depressed and still have anxiety is if you want to. Because the anointing is in this place to set the captives free. Come on, somebody. Well, I want to get right into it. And uh, before I jump in, just like I could go through all of the, all of the characteristics and all the adjectives and all of the things to describe your amazing pastors. But it just won't be enough. They are just amazing. They are all that. They are, they are the, some of the best God-filled, God-fearing, anointed, funny, charismatic, amazing people that we know. And Irene and I are so grateful for you, Pastor Earl and Onika and Parker and the entire family. And, uh, and, I, and we're just honored to be able to do this journey with you. And yesterday we had an amazing staff marriage retreat. And, uh, and it was absolutely awesome. And... And, uh, you know, my wife started treating me better last night after we talked about it, a few things. Uh, but thinking of that, I got my bride of 22 years with me here. I love you. And my daughter, my 16-year-old daughter, Maya. What's up, girl? I love you. Can y'all give it up for my family? Amen. And what I would like to do today is, is, is not necessarily preach you a sermon. But I want to prophesy a word over you today. And you may say, well, what is that? That means that God has downloaded something in my heart to speak over you. And I'm just the vessel. I'm just the conduit that's kind of distributing the word of God to your heart today. And so when, you, when someone says prophesy, all they're doing is professing an already declared end. And so I'm just going to profess an already declared end in Nehemiah chapter 1, and then we'll go to Nehemiah chapter 2 and talk about vision a little bit. And, but it says this in Nehemiah 1, 1 through 4, these are the memoirs of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. In late autumn, in the months of Keslev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, Nehemiah said, I was at the fortress of Susa. Han and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some of the other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked about how the Jews who had returned from captivity and how things were going in Jerusalem. And they said to me, things are not doing very well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates 
have been destroyed by fire. I love Nehemiah's response because he says, when I heard this, something happened in my heart. When I heard this, something happened in my soul. When I heard this, I, I just couldn't hear it and not do anything about it. Nehemiah said, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and I prayed to the God of heaven. And when we read the rest of this passage, we understand what he prayed is that God would give him a burden to break the generational strongholds and the curses that other people had ignored. When he prayed, what he said is, is, God, this has to stop with me. He said, God, this has gone, uh, this cycle of abuse and the cycle of addiction and the cycle, come on, somebody, uh, it's been going too long in my family, and I came to be a cycle stopper. And I believe today, no matter what campus that you're at, that stuff has been going on in your family for too long, and it is not going to be passed down to your children. Somebody's going to say to Today, depression stops with me. Divorce stops with me. Come on, somebody. Anxiety stops with me. Diagnosis and diabetes stops with me. God's going to give somebody a burden for a breakthrough today. And somebody needs to say, if I ain't got passion for myself, I'm not going to pass this down to my children. Because my children deserve for me to fight for my freedom today. Stops with me. Then it goes on to say in Nehemiah 2.7, how he did it, how he began to rebuild this wall, how the plan, the process, the, the system. And I love that Nehemiah had access to the king and he says, I also said to the king, if it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River. Let me have letters. He doesn't say, let me have an army. He says, let me have letters. He doesn't say, give me a machine gun. He, he doesn't say, you know, send me to architectural school and construction school so I can rebuild a wall. He says, no, I just need a letter from the king. Instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And if it please the king, also give me a letter to Asaph, the manager of the king's force. Earl, he doesn't pray for a miracle. He, he, he doesn't pray that God would bring professional bankers and millions of uh, millionaires to him. He just says, can I have a letter? That whoever, whatever I need, that the letter will speak when I can't speak. He says, give me a letter instructing him to give me timber. And I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress and for the city walls and for a house for myself. And I love this. And the king began to write a letter. The king granted these requests. And I love this. Why? Because the gracious hand of God was on me. Shoreline City, Antigua, North Campus. I, I, if you're watching online, I want to preach to you over the next 27 minutes and 33 seconds from the topic, a leader with a letter. Come on, look at the person next to you and says, I'm a leader with a letter. Come on, look at the person on the other side with bad breath or, and say, I am a leader with a letter. I might not got a degree, but I got a letter. 
I might not have resources, but I have a letter. I might not be everybody else's choice, but I am God's choice because the hand of God is on me. I have a letter. I am a leader with a letter. You see, in this passage of Scripture, you will see that this remnant of Jews, they have much, they don't have much hope because the Babylonian army has destroyed them and, and God wants to restore them and God wants to, he wants them to walk in freedom, but they keep going back to their sin and they're staying in rebellion and, and the wall of Jerusalem has been in ruin for 70 years. The wall of Jerusalem, if you are a sports fan, it would be like playing at, at, at uh, having the home field advantage. It would be like having your own way or your own stadium. Come on, somebody, because there's nothing like playing when you have the home field advantage. When you have the home field advantage, it doesn't matter how far you're down there. It doesn't matter how far you're behind. When you get around your people, come on, somebody, you realize that there are more for me than against me. That's why I got to encourage you to be in a small group because your small group is like your home field advantage. This wall of Jerusalem was the, would eventually be the chief place of worship for God's people. It would be where the Holy of Holies was. It would be where the presence of God was, would fill temples and people would come to the freeing power of Jesus Christ. And this wall of restoration was in ruin. This wall of freedom was in ruin. This wall of breakthrough was in ruin. This wall of, of life and life more abundantly was in ruin. This wall of that the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. It was in, in ruin. Hope was in ruin. Come on, somebody. Faith was in ruin. Uh, uh, some of us have gotten so comfortable with complacency and so comfortable with where we are. We, we think that life to the full can exist and you're just existing. Existing. Can I encourage you that God didn't bless you and waste grace on you for you to just take up space? God is not looking for a body of believers that take up space. He's looking for a body of believers that would take territory. Come on. He's looking for a body of believers that would bring heaven to earth and says, I, I know how to take a licking and keep on ticking. He's looking for a body of believers that would walk saying no weapon that is formed against me. is going to be able to prosper. He's looking for a body of believers that know that he is with them always but for some reason God's people have neglected to rebuild the wall for 70 years now it is said that a generation is about a hundred years and so two generations have completely neglected that freedom is theirs Two generations of people have decided that it, college is just not for our family. Two generations of believers, come on somebody, is saying that diabetes and diagnosis and cancer and divorce, that, that's just the way it is. But I thank God that God raised up a generation of Nehemiahs. That said, watch me now, that what has been in ruin for 70 years, God is going to anoint me to rebuild in 52 days. Can I encourage you, Shoreline City, that there is a Holy Ghost, a 
acceleration that is coming to this church. There is a Holy Spirit acceleration that is coming to your house where the enemy has been messing with you, messing with your daddy, messing with your great-granddaddy and your great-granddaddy. But guess what? There's a generation of Nehemiahs that says today, I am going to build what other people have ignored. How does a butler become a wall builder? Mm. How does a mail worker, come on somebody, be on the worship team? How, how, how does somebody with your past walk in a God-ordained purpose? Oh, you thought Nehemiah had a degree. Uh-uh, he didn't. He just went through a degree of pain. Some of you have no idea that there is no better teacher than pain. And pain is the resume for you to walk in a purpose that you never thought that you could walk in. Is there a generation of Nehemiahs in here that says, I know the plans that God has for me, declares the Lord, plans to prosper me, not to harm me, to give me a hope and a future. Stop taking it. Nehemiah, his occupation was a wine taster. And understand that his access to the king was not conversational. It was vocational. And so he would have to back into the king's chamber. He was not allowed to talk to the king. He was not allowed to have sorrow in the king's presence. And he, something, when he heard about the wall, he, he says, you know what, I'm going to shoot my shot. Come on, somebody. Nehemiah backed in and said, if I have access to the king, then why don't I don't just go ahead and ask the king to give me access to something that everybody, you have access to the king of kings, and you're going to let your marriage stay in ruins? Are you kidding me? You have access to the king of kings, and you're going to let let diagnosis and anxiety and fear plague you? Are you kidding me? You don't have to back into the king. You can run up to the king and says, God, I need a breakthrough. I need deliverance. I need healing. I need to rebuild and repair the wall that nobody else has rebuilt. Somebody need to use your access. Crazy. I got access and not use it. Are you kidding me? There's grace for me and I'm going to walk in shame? Are you playing with me? You mean to tell me the king says I can be free but I decide to be bound? No. <laughs> Nehemiah was a butler. <laughs> but he was a butler with a letter. I want to tell you the importance of this because my life was a little jacked up. I'm 47 years old, and when I was in high school, my mama would tell me that one day you're going to preach the gospel. Now, at that time, my current activities and my current characteristics did not warrant me to have a letter. 
But no matter how much I drank, no matter how much I stayed out, no matter how many times I got kicked out of high school, my mama would prophesy and say, one day, God is going to use you to travel the nation. And one day, people are going to be restored. And God is going to use you as a conduit. And I love the fact that my mama never spoke to me out of what I was doing. She always spoke to me out of who I was created to be. My mama understood that God, that God in her womb started speaking to me. Can I encourage you online? Can I encourage you, North? campus can I encourage you Antigua can I encourage everybody in this room that before your parents gave you a name God gave you a purpose God gave you a destiny a matter of fact God said you have been fearfully and wonderfully made God said you have been wrought and secret before you ever said a word on earth God had a conversation with you in heaven and that conversation was God's vision for your life I thank God that my mom never allowed what she was looking at to determine what she saw. Mm. I know some people in here, the situation doesn't look well. Oh my God. Some people in here, you got some teenagers right now. They was out last night. You don't know where they were. That was me. I can't spell. I can't read. I have ADHD. Come on, my wife knows that. I got kicked out of school. I, I done done everything. I was a professional sinner. But I thank God that my mama spoke a word over me. When I was out late at night, my mama would go in and anoint my bed with oil. She would go in and anoint my pillow with oil. And she would prophesy and pray, God, you're going to put the words in his mouth God you're gonna anoint him God what you said is going to come to pass come on Parker you got a word over you son when you got a word you can't do what everybody else does when you got a word you can't go where everybody else goes when you got a word you can't date who everybody else dates when you got a word you got to protect the anointing that God has spoken over you is there a church right now in Dallas Texas that says I am a leader with a letter God has spoken a word over me my mama told me to apply for Bible college. You don't apply for Bible college with a 620 on your SAT. Don't laugh. I was more interested in the girls that was in the room, y'all. I'm trying to tell you. You don't apply for college when you've been kicked out of high school. You don't apply for college when the only reason they graduated you was to get rid of you. But my mama sat down and she... She said, fill out this application. I couldn't even read the application. I started filling the application out. She said, put it in. So we sent the application in. And, and now I, I think maybe there's a possibility I'm going to get accepted. Because my mama spoke it. I watched miracles happen through my mama. Uh-huh. And so uh, I got this letter of acceptance about two months later. I could not believe it. Me accepted. I started to get a picture of what my mama saw. And the picture started changing my behaviors. 
The pictures ruined my appetite for things, come on somebody, that didn't line up to my purpose. It was a, it was a picture of hope. It was a picture. It was a vision. Somebody say vision. So I went to Bible college. A year later, my mama told me a story. She says, you have no idea that that letter of acceptance wasn't the first letter that came to the house. I said, what do you mean? She said, the first letter that came to the house said no way. The first letter that came to the house said denied. The first letter that came to the house said, you mean you have the audacity to apply for a college with a 620? And my mom, I said, well, how did I get accepted? She says, I intercepted the letter. And I asked for a meeting with the president. And I drove three hours up to the college. And I sat in the president's office. And I told the president, my son has a call of God over his life. My son is going to preach Come on, somebody, the gospel of Jesus Christ. My son, he may not be walking in it now. He may not know how I created. I came to tell you, your marriage might not be where you want it to be right now, but God has placed a letter over your life that says, guess what? You have holy matrimony. You may not be walking in addiction and fear, but God says, great is thy faithfulness. And my mama told that president, when you don't know what to say, when you show up for the loan and you don't have enough giving units, I got a letter over Shoreline City. What is a letter? A letter is God's vision. A letter is a prophetic declaration that your current situation, God's going to give you another revelation to bring people of God to salvation, to move them from heaven or from earth to heaven to a new destination. And God wants you to know that you have a vision. We are dealing with a culture with no vision. Young people don't have a vision because they got a screen. Situations are robbing our vision. I started looking up vision. I said, God, what, what is vision? He said, started speaking to me. He said, a vision is not a good idea. It's a God idea. He said, a vision is a God-sized dream for a faith-filled people. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying? He says, it's when God burdens his people to rebuild, redeem, and reconstruct what has been broken and in ruin. It is a picture of heaven promised, prophesied, and given to God's people for God's purpose. It is a divine download from God for a predetermined divine destination. When you can't see, it doesn't matter as long as I got vision. When you have no resources, it doesn't matter as long as I got vision. You can be a butler and God move you from a butler to a wall builder when you have vision. There can be more against you than for you. But when you got vision, you can mess your whole life up like David. But guess what? God can say, pick yourself back up because you have vision without. Woo! 
a vision, people perish. Not without resources. Not without a degree. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Not without followers. Not without the perfect situation. He says, without a vision. People perish. Another version says they cast off restraint. Another version says they run wild. They don't need a whooping, they need vision. Can't reach people you judge because they don't have vision. What do you see that no one else can see? What are you believing for that sounds a little crazy? <laughs> do you know that God is in the business of crazy? He uses crazy people to do crazy things, to have a crazy story. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. My friend Mike Todd says there's something called crazy faith. It's crazy until it happens. Look what the Lord has done, because I got vision. So what do I do with this vision? It says in Proverbs 7, bind them on your fingers and write them down on the tablets of your heart. Have you been in a restaurant? Come on, with a whole, a whole bunch of people. And in your crew, in your squad, in your family are difficult orderers. Where y'all at? Come on, where you? If you want those, go ahead and raise your hand. Come on, whatever campus. Come on, I'm a difficult order. I like my steak, half of it medium rare, half of it medium well. I want salt. I want, I want you to know to just sear it a little bit on this side and sear. Maybe you're a difficult pizza orderer. Come on, somebody. Can I get, can I get mushrooms and, and pepperonis on this side? Cheese, no sauce on that slice. <laughs> They're difficult orders. And I love when I got difficult orders, then the server comes. And they think they all that. And I'm like, you're not going to be able to fulfill this order unless you write this down. <laughs> so the server's like, uh-huh, got that, uh-huh, got that, uh-huh, got that, uh-huh, got that, uh-huh, got that. And I'm just like waiting. <laughs> and then they come back and they start giving people what they don't need because they didn't write down based off of their appetite. Oh, my God. That's why God says write the vision down and make it plain. Watch me now that those who read it will run with it. Every vision requires writers, readers, and runners. You need some people who will write the vision down. When you write the vision down, you'll read the vision in a see-nothing season so you can run and outrun your past. But if you don't write it down, you have nothing to run with. And if you don't write it down, who's reading it? <laughs> Have you ever gotten an important message and you're looking for something to write it down on? Come on, y'all. Come on. Come on, y'all. Where y'all at? A post-it note, a back of a bill, a square of toilet paper. Come on, somebody. The mirror, whatever you do. Like, God speaks to me in the car and in the bathroom. And oftentimes in the car, I'm like, my, 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 my kids. Hey, hey, text me this. I, I got a message start. Te and I'm driving, so I can't write it down. I'm like, text me this real quick. And they'll text it to me. And it's not what I said. 
and I can't remember the revelation because somebody else can't write down. Somebody else cannot tell you what God has told you. Somebody else cannot speak over you. That's why I cancel every negative word. I, I come against every word that has been spoken over you like it was me, that you're never going to be nothing, and you're going to be just like your daddy, and you're going to be just like your daddy's daddy. Can't no man. Come on, somebody. Outpace what God has spoken over you. Some of y'all need to stay for the second service because I'm not going to be able to finish. <laughs> Do you know, thousands of years ago, God had an important message that he was looking somewhere to write it down on. It started on the tablets. Come on, somebody. And it was the tablets, but the people kept falling into sin because it wasn't on the tablet of their heart. It was on a tablet in their hand. Oh, my God. So he says, I'm going to try to write it with the priest. And he had this thing called the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant. And the people would have to go through a priest. So it was written down in the priest, but not in the people. And it didn't work because the people, it got, they got religious. It got weird. So he tried it with the prophets. And I'm going to write down my word with the prophets. And it didn't work with the prophets. So for 400 years between Malachi and Matthew, God was writing something. It was called the Holy Spirit. And he said, I got a good idea. I'm not going to get it in the tabernacle. I'm not going to put it on paper. I'm not going to put it in the priest. I'm not going to put it in the, in the, in the prophets. I'm going to put it inside the person. Oh, I feel God. He said, I have an important message for your family. I'm going to write it on the tablet of your heart. And it's going to keep you up at night. It's going to ruin you for the presence of God. Oh, it's not going, you're not going to be able to fit where everybody else fits. It's going to be agitated when you walk in a room with lost people. The letter's going to start speaking to you purpose and destiny. And the letter's going to make you be kind. The letter causes you to forgive people that don't deserve to be forgiven. The letter is a burden. It's pounding in your heart right now. Some of you right now, there's something waking up on the inside of you that says, yeah, that's me. I'm starting to remember my letter. Earl, I wondered, how does a butler get access to a governor? ASAP. How does a butler rebuild something in 52 days that was in ruin for 70 years? How? Come on, somebody does God use somebody like me you know how because today he told me to prophesy that he's dropping letters from heaven and people are gonna start walking in their calling and people are gonna start walking in the purposes of God and you may not be able to run up to this stage but I dare you in your spirit right now to start receiving God's word for you write the vision down and make it plain so that they who read it may run with it God's going to have some bankers run with your letter. God's going to bring you. God says your gift is going to make room for you and bring you before greatness. Somebody doesn't have hope. But today your letter is coming from heaven. I got a letter. 
When my marriage was on the verge of divorce, it was the letter that spoke. Sometimes we need to shut up. I dare you, the next time you're in the doctor's office, oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying, and you get news that you don't want to have. I dare the next time you got that business idea and your credit, come on somebody, because of your history, is a little... I love the fact, come on somebody, that when my credit was jacked up, I'm trying to tell y'all, and I was sitting in a car dealership years ago hoping I would get approved. I don't know if y'all ever been here. I've been here. I ain't always been all the way together. Now they just approved me, but back in the day, they wouldn't approve me. And I just needed one person to approve me. I just needed one person to believe that I can pay this back. And what happened was, once I got that one person, come on somebody, to believe in me, they approved me, they gave me a letter. About a month later, a whole bunch of letters, come on, somebody, would show up to the house. Check. I ain't got time for that. A bunch of letters would show up to the house that said, I'm sorry, you're denied, you can't approve. But what they didn't know is I was already rolling because I got a letter. I don't care what the enemy says about me. Somebody needs to get a lean on right now. Come on, somebody, and say, I'm already driving. I know you might not approve of me, but God has approved of me. I know I'm not man's choice, but I am God's choice. I am a leader with a letter. Come on, everybody, stand up. Come on, every campus. I ain't got time to give you no points. That's it. I'm a leader with a letter. 52 days. All he had was a signature from the king. The king sent me. The king anointed me. The king gave me grace. It was the king. It was the king. I had access to the king. Come on, somebody. Is anybody says, Pastor, I'm going to start using my access to the king. That's what I loved about worship this morning. The king just began to open up the presence and says, y'all got access. Somebody is transacting with heaven right now because the king was in the room. I'm going to tell y'all something. My wife, (coughs) we've been married for 22 years. It's been about the best seven years ever. Because we had a letter. The Bible says it will speak and not lie. And though it tarries, ooh, wait on the Lord. Oh, I feel God in this place. So Maya, it's crazy that you're here, but in 2005, Irene was in labor with Maya. And at the same time, Pastor Earl, we were closing on a house. And so I had the dichotomy of Maya's going to be born, but we're supposed to settle on a house. And I was like, my wife going to want me in that labor room. Come on, somebody. So I was so thankful that Maya came a day early. So Maya came a day early, and Irene couldn't get to closing. And I told you I'm not that smart. And I was like, how? 
How are we going to close on and settle on what God spoke to us? And how are we going to take territory? And, and, and the attorney came and says, there's something called the power of attorney. And I said, I don't know what that is. And he says, what happens is, is she's going to sign it. Somebody with the power is going to authenticate it. And then she doesn't have to be present for her presence to be there. There was an old commercial called Verizon. And the Verizon guy would show up and he would look behind him. And wherever he goes, he says, that's my network behind me. Nobody else could see the network, but there was a network behind him. Why? I came to tell you that you are never alone. That God has released and encamped angels around you. And you have the power of attorney. When you are at Thanksgiving and your family has been jacked up, you might be sitting by yourself. But there was a network of angels because you have the power of attorney nobody else can see God but God is inside of you because he has put his word inside of your heart that you might not sin against God can everybody in this place lift your hands up right now father I pray right now God that you overnight letters not three day not we don't even want priority shipping we want you to overnight vision right now that whatever has been in ruin for 70 years for generations these are not hands these are spiritual antennas for you to know the address of the vision that you want to download in our hearts and father right now every head bowed and every eye closed if there's anybody in this room who's far from Jesus and you feel like that God doesn't know your location and you feel like you're at an off destination, right now God can make up the distance and I just want to pray this simple prayer and if you'll pray this with me, you don't have to repeat after me, but just pray this with me and say, Jesus, come on everybody say this, come into my heart, set me free from me. Today, I restart. I, I refurbish and I'm hitting the reset button on my purpose and my destiny. Today, I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that I am saved, that I am redeemed, and I am free in Jesus' name. And everybody at every location, just begin to give God some praise. Come on, Shoreline. I dare you. Right, I triple dog dare you right now. Come on, we can do better than that to give God some praise and let the devil know you are under my feet I may be a butler but today I'm a wall builder come on somebody come on lift your voice up and pray